We are live, everyone. Welcome to episode 26 of the All Out Blitz podcast. I'm Brandon Moore with Tom and Will, as normal. Uh, we got a jam-packed show for you today. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit NFL quarterback battles in a bit. We'll get to that at the end. We're going to talk about Bill Clark a bit, UAB head coach retiring. Danny Cannell had a tweet earlier today that I disagree with, and I thought it was stupid and ridiculous. We'll get to that. Arch Manning, what it means for Texas, his huge commitment. Uh, but first of all, I want to welcome on our guest, Jake Crane, host of the Crane and Company show for The Daily Wire. Jake, can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Of course we can. Loud and clear. You love, you love to see it. Yeah, so we got your socials up here on the screen. Follow Jake at jcrane underscore, and then follow the show at Crane Company on Twitter, and then got your IG, YouTube, TikTok stuff up there as well. So let's get rolling. Uh, I asked for some fan questions here for Jake. Uh, TNT College Football Podcast asked Jake, has a coaching background, or TNT College Football pack, Podcast has a coaching background just like you, Jake. First off, where did you coach, and how does it translate into what you are doing today? Oh man, it's a great question. Well, uh, I was I was very fortunate uh, when I got done playing at South uh, GA there for a couple years. Uh, went junior college early, uh, then actually went back to South, coordinated the special teams for three and a half, basically four years. Uh, was up at Montana State, uh, you know, and, and really, the, you got to understand. I was in coaching, yes, but I was, like, raised in a football family. So, you know, my father was All-American at Auburn, coached at Auburn. Um, football was what we did in my family. So, you know, I, we were watching game film when I was 12 years old, stuff like that. So the way it kind of falls into podcasting is I think, you know, obviously the more versatile you are, the better chance you have to succeed or, or get a good job regardless of what the profession is. And, you know, I know how the sausage is made, whether it's from recruiting, whether it's, you know, installation, uh, whether it's understanding the things you have to be able to have in place to build a successful program at the highest level, at the Division One level. Uh, so, you know, I try to parlay that into being able to, to communicate it, but communicate it in a way, you know, that's entertaining, that is that is true to myself uh, and also doesn't make it too complicated where people who are in different professions that, you know, weren't able to, to be in the rooms that I were, they were able to understand it. So so I think it's kind of a happy medium. It's a balance of, of you know, being knowledgeable, being able to deliver it in a way that's understandable because, you know, fans want to be closer to the game. That, that's why our slogans win the water cooler. That, that was my whole goal when I did this during the quarantine was that, you know, once it started getting big, I, I know that fans are competitive and fans want to get as close to the field and the sideline as possible. So I've always felt like it was my job to see how close I could get him to that. And uh, get, I think I'm getting better at it every day, and, and that's what we do at Granite Cup. For sure. I mean, you guys are great. Listen, every single day at 3 to 4 Eastern on YouTube and Daily Wire. Uh, so Jason Bell here asks, do you see the SEC expanding more in the future with someone like maybe Clemson or Florida State or even the Big Ten with USC and Oregon? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's inevitable. Uh, you know, I do think we are moving towards super conferences and some sort of breakaway that's in the future, maybe not the near future. Uh, I don't think it's as close as what everybody else thinks it is. But look, the SEC is not going to turn down good teams. The SEC is in the business, and, and emphasis on the word business, of making money and putting a good product on the field. And you just added the mega brands of Texas and Oklahoma. They're not going to turn down those markets. So, uh, good on the SEC for doing it. I would not be surprised to see them go grab Clemson. I would not be surprised to see them go grab a lot of teams. You know, you get to a certain point where regionality matters, where you're at matters on the map, but the SEC is not going to turn down a team that's going to continue to bring in revenue, whether that's through the SEC network, whether that's through, you know, ticket sales, whether that's through hot dog sales. They're not going to turn down any of that. Yeah, I've said this in the past. I wouldn't be shocked to see the SEC going after a team like USC even because they got recruiting hotbed out there in L.A., a lot of NIL money out there. So that's my thoughts. You would, uh, to, me though, to me, though, I think you would have – you'd have to build a bridge out there. You you couldn't go from where we're, we're at right now, even if you added a Clemson, to adding somebody out there because the travel schedule is impossible. They're not going to sign up for that. Teams in the SEC aren't going to sign up to go all the way out there and play in California. 
So I think you have to add some teams in the middle, which you already have with Texas and Oklahoma. But I don't think that's enough to be able to build a bridge because I don't think you're just going to be able to just poach somebody from that far away. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. But like, I don't know who you would add to build that bridge. To build that bridge, I mean, Arizona, Arizona State—they're not any good. I mean, maybe Texas Tech. I don't know. Like, Utah, I mean, Oklahoma gets you, you know? part of the way there, though. No, no, it, yeah. it it does. I just think you need a couple more because again, you're about to go to a nine-game in-conference schedule. So, so that's right. going to happen. So that's where you're going to play most of your games. So you, I think you're going to have to have a little more powder in the keg before a USC would come. I think you would see a USC come when the super conferences come. What I think you're going to see happen is it's going to be a slow march from right to left if I'm staring at a U.S. map right in front of it. You've already got Texas and Oklahoma. You're, you'll see schools, and there are schools in between. I mean, even where you guys are up at in Michigan. So, you know, when, when you look at it, I think it'll be a slow march. But in the next 10 years, who knows what's going to happen just follow the TV rights and you'll figure out where it's going. Yeah, that definitely plays a big part. Uh, address Sark here in Texas. Uh, personally, do you see the Texas boosters giving Sark a chance to build what he's building and not get in the way? Asked Jason Bell. <laughs> it's Texas, right? No, no chance in hell. The one thing that's holding Texas back, regardless of how much NIL money, is the same thing that's holding the Cowboys back. When you have nine hands steering the ship, you don't have anybody steering the ship. Texas Texas boosters, and, and this is the reason Saban turned it out, is that you don't have full control. You'll never have full control. At some point, it's like a trust fall, right? When you fall backwards, you're trusting them to catch you. Texas has a reason to that point. Alabama, it was so bad with Mike Shula and Mike Price and Mike DeBose. It was so bad, they were almost forced into a trust fall. And they trusted the right guy to catch him in Nick Saban. So until Texas truly does that, I don't think they'll dominate the way that they should. All right, there's your answer, Jason. Uh, from Sidelines, Mississippi State. After Alabama, who is your pick to finish in the top of the SEC West? And he adds, and why is it Mississippi State? But I know your answer. I know it's not Mississippi State. Well, the SEC West, I could argue, is as deep as it's ever been. I mean, point to me a team that's going to be just terrible. I mean, a lot of people are picking Auburn to finish last, but they're no pushover. I mean, Mississippi State returns Will Rogers a 74% completion percentage. I don't care if it's the Air Raid, the Gatorade, the House Raid, or Power Raid. That's unbelievable. I don't care what system you're running. Uh, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of teams in the West hold serve at home. But a team I got my eye on is Arkansas. I think they're going to go 6-2 and two in the SEC, finish second in the SEC West. I think they beat A&M to kick off the SEC schedule at AT&T. I, I believe in teams that return their coordinators or return their quarterbacks. They had some key key uh, cogs come back on defense, Bumper Pool being a great example. But Sam Pittman's such a good fit there. They know their identity. They've recruited to that identity, and they believe in that identity. So when everything's even, I'll lean on that. I'll lean on culture and development and identity because they're all talented. Uh, I think Arkansas is second in the West. Uh, I got four teams going four and four in the West. Auburn, Ole Miss, uh, LSU, and A&M, believe it or not. I think Mississippi State uh, goes two and six. But it's going to be a, a dogfight every weekend. Yeah, Auburn to me is one of the definitely the most intriguing team in that division. Like, how's that Harson situation going to translate onto the field? Even if it, I mean, it might not. Auburn might be completely fine. And in the years where they don't, where no one expects them to be good, all of a sudden they surprise you. And they're always tough at home at Jordan Hare, too. So they're interesting to me. Oh, no, they are. And as a guy that's from Auburn that grew up in Auburn, typically when people sleep on Auburn, they have their best years. But the roster's just not where it needs to be yet up front especially i know they returned some guys on the offensive line but just because i returned a car that was broke down in 2021 doesn't mean it's going to work in 2022 if i don't get it fixed so the jury's still out on that you know you're the quarterback situation it's not going to be the sexiest offense it's going to be a true pro style true run to pass true heavy 12 personnel work in the tight end game whether it be in the scene whether it be on the boot stuff like that but Auburn again will hold that. They'll be they'll be good at home. 
you know, that Penn State game early is huge for them. Because here's what's going to happen. If Auburn goes 5-7, and seven, all those people that were at Tumor's Corner and all those people that were defending Brian Harson, they'll be walking up to the athletic department with pitchforks and torches before it's said and done. So, again, it's just the momentum of the season. You either float or you sink, and we're going to see. Yeah, we got our last fan question here from Braxton Winters. What do you expect from Oklahoma this season with their new head coach, Brent Venables? I love the hire. You know, again, Oklahoma coming to the SEC, it's funny. You know, you're starting to see some of these teams hiring coaches with a defensive mindset. You look at Oklahoma, what's been the biggest knock on Oklahoma and not getting there but winning it when they get there? They can't stop you. You look at Oregon. Who do they go hire after having Chip Kelly – this dynamic offensive guru, they go hire the defensive coordinator at Georgia, Dan Landing. So I think Oklahoma made a good decision. I think they kind of peeked into the future of the SEC and realized how you have to build a team from the inside out and on the defensive line. Uh, I think they're going to do well. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw them making a run in the playoff. I mean, Dylan Gabriel, I mean, he's the best Gabriel since the Archangel. So, you know, he's going to give him a chance coming off the injury. He does have weapons around him. So uh, I think he's going to be fine. Jeff Levy was a great hire by Brent Venables, the guy that was very involved at Ole Miss, even though Lane Kiffin was there. Uh, so I would not be shocked at all to see Ole Miss have a lot of, or excuse me, see Oklahoma have a lot of success this year because I think Brent Venables is going to change that culture a little bit. Not that it was bad, but it's a little bit different when you're biting through your mouthpiece. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Venables bringing that more of a defensive mindset to Oklahoma, who had like a lack of defensive ability in the past few years, tackling ability as well under Lincoln Riley. So we like to do a segment with all of our guests. We call it Rapid Fire Questions. I'm going to give you five questions. Uh, no, I know. I know. that? <laughs> I mean, maybe I stole it from your show. I don't know. But we're going to give you five questions. No, no, no explanation. All right. We're going to give you five questions. Uh, family food, fast money style. Just give me your answer, no explanation. All right, ready? Let's do it. All right. Expand the playoff or stay at four teams? Go to eight. Who is the best running back in the NFL? Jonathan Taylor. Who's your dark horse college football team? Miami. Where will Odell Beckham land? Uh, Patriots. Patriots. All right, last question. Are aliens real? Hell yes. They're amongst us. Have you seen Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA? <laughs> yes, I have. That's an interesting if that's answer. not an alien, then I don't know what one is. Disagree. Yeah, exactly. Big game boomer from last week. Yeah, big game, big game, big game boomer on last week. He said no, he's not an alien guy. So, well, then he's an alien. <laughs> he might be. Yeah, he's got to be by process of elimination. All right, I'm gonna throw it over to Tom and Will. They're gonna ask you some NFL questions. All right. All right. Let's uh, Will, Will, you want to go first, or you want me to go first? Oh, uh, why don't you go first? All right. So my first question. So. We got some interesting Hall of Fame candidates from the past few years. So, who is one of those candidates that you think should like not be in the conversation to be a Hall of Famer? What are the candidates that should not be in the conversation? Wow, that's a good question. Oh, man. Um, if I had to pick, I would say. Give me – dude, this is tough because I just had him on. Um, Philip Rivers. Okay. Wow. Um, that's a good one. Would that be because of a lack of playoff success, I'm guessing? Yes. Yes. All right. What's your opinion on, like, Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame? Got to put him in. Um, I think the numbers hold up. But, dude, you, you sliced Tom Brady when, when he was in his prime. I mean, again, in the, in the way they won him. I mean, look, Eli, Eli's got some dog in him. I mean, I remember watching him at Ole Miss. Uh, I, I think he's got to be in two Super Bowls. 
you came through when it mattered most. I believe in you. Right. Yeah, I think Eli should be in. Another name that gets thrown around with Hall of Fame that I cannot believe is Tony Romo. Like, I, I find that to be No, dude, ridiculous. no. You, you, drop a, you drop the field goal snap. Get out of here, dog. You pulled a loose. Yeah. Can't do it. All right. Uh, Will, you want to ask the next question? Yeah. Good or bad, who do you think is going to be the most impactful first-year coach in the NFL? Nathaniel Hackett. You got Russell Wilson. Makes it so much easier on you. Aaron Rodgers, even though they're in the division from hell, I think it's going to be him or Dennis Allen. Because some just smells funny with Jameis. And Jameis is crazy enough to figure it out. And anybody that can be that goofy and not get tackled, I just believe in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. That You know, the thing is, how do you feel about uh, Minnesota's new coach? Uh, you think it's going to help them, hurt them, stay the same? Well, I mean, Kirk Cousins is really the coach. So, I mean, I think it's going to be mid. I mean, I think you're going to get from the Vikings what you get. I'm still taking the Packers. I, I'm still taking the Packers uh, in that division. Um, I'm not – I don't hate Kirk Cousins. My brother, for some reason – Kent just thinks Kirk Cousins is the worst, and it's hilarious to me. But and you look at how much money Chase Daniels made the NFL, and he makes you know Kirk he makes Kirk Cousins look like Joe Namath. But no, I mean, I think he'll be I think he'll be fine when you have veterans like that around you. It makes it easier. But I just don't believe in him. I'm sorry, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. Nothing matters until you can beat Green Bay in that division. That's yeah. I mean, and Aaron is still. I mean, he's, he's a Hogwarts grad. I mean, for, you know, yeah. Latte. Yeah, for real. All right, Tom, you want to get to that last question? All right. Uh, before that, we got a fan question from Vicky. Uh, how do you think Brady will be without his sidekick Gronk? And do you think Gronk is really retired? Yeah, I think Gronk is actually really retired. I think he wants to be a wrestler. Um, I won't be shocked to see him in the WWE. Uh, I think it's a great fit for him. But look, I mean, I think Tom will be fine. They're not going to stop making tight ends. You know, Tom right. Tom and Gronk had great chemistry. That That's what it was. You know, they, they knew where each other were. That's where it hurts the most. Not Gronk's. He's got great physical abilities. He's the first ballot Hall of Fame tight end. I'm not downplaying Gronk. But the minute I sleep on Tom Brady is the minute you can find the person that possessed me. Right. I am not a Tom Brady fan, but, man, do I sleep on him way too Hold on, hold on. Let let, let me ask you about this. Why? Is it because he wins? Well, I mean, it's more of a he went to Michigan thing, and I just dislike that. Oh, okay. Totally understandable. Totally understandable. So you're not a David Cohn fan either? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't want to get get involved in that. No, no, be honest, because I'm telling him either way, so – but well, and look, uh, I I would love to tell him. I would love to tell him that I mean, you're not a be fan so of him bad because he, he went to like Michigan. Have, have you know like the floating Michigan helmet behind him and the jersey yeah. and all that garbage. Could, so I cannot wait. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. No problem. All right. So uh, I know you already talked about the Broncos, but that gets us to our last question of. This is kind of like. It seems like there's a super division in the NFL. So the question is, who's going to win the AFC West? Man, to me, it's still the Chiefs division. Um, it's loaded. I mean, you know, like I said, we just had Phillip Rivers on. He's really high on Justin Herbert and the Chargers. And obviously, Devontae Adams going to the Raiders with Derek Carr. I still got the Chiefs winning it, though. Um, I'm interested to see. I know Tyreek's on. But I, I think the people that are acting like Tyreek made Patrick Holmes, Mahomes are tripping. Like, like that's that's not how football works. You know, that if you've ever seen, like, how a game plan is designed, it's not how it works at all. So uh, I know it. They, they'll probably take a step back. But, again, I think the offensive line is going to be improved. And Patrick Mahomes is, you know, I mean, he's 100% witch. So uh, I like the Chiefs. All right, I'm going to have to agree because I feel like they're just the top dog and now that there's some other flash in that division, it's like 
it seems like a cooler pick to say, oh, I think Herbert's going to figure it out with the Chargers and they can make a run yeah. at the division. But I think at the end of the day, it is going to well, be the Chiefs. Yeah. Can I, can, can I, can I say something, though? Yeah, I don't have it. the Chargers winning the division, but I have them winning the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah, I, like, I, I got I mean, the Chargers I am a big Herbert fan, so. No, I, I just – something about them is sneaky to me. My brother played with Austin Eckler. Like, it's just – I don't know. The spidey senses are going off the charts on that one. Like, I just – I can't explain it. I'm just going with it. It's like, it's like when I, you see like animals that. hide from a storm before it happens. Like, that's that's the sense I'm getting right now. Okay. Yeah, I like that pick because I just feel like their offense clicks so well together. They picked up some pieces on defense. Hopefully, Derwin actually plays this year. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Yeah, pick. no, they're, they're scary. They're scary, and Justin's only getting better. It started really making sense to him at the end of last year. He started, you know, reading instead of guessing. And once you start reading instead of guessing, that's how you really start to hurt people. Right. Yeah, because I remember when Mahomes, uh, I think after his first year, he really wasn't reading, and he made that step, and they won the Super Bowl. So it's uh, when you have, yeah, when you, because a lot of these guys coming out of college, they rely on improv. They go through the first read, and then they improv because they're able to extend the play for so long. Well, when you get in the NFL and everybody is big and fast, you can't extend the play for that long. Therefore, you have to go through your reads, and you only hit the eject button when the plane's been hit by a missile. That's the difference. When you stop trying to do it all by yourself and understand that you can't do it all by yourself because it's the NFL. Right. All right. Uh, Will, you got anything to add? Yeah, one quick thing. Doesn't have to be a super elaborate answer, but you know we're from Michigan, and I'm the biggest Lions fan you can meet. How do you feel about all the hype surrounding the Lions for the first time in years? Uh, is Jared Goff still the quarterback? Yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, it's – I'm not big on Jared Goff. I will say Jamison Williams – was the best receiver in the draft, and it's not even close. I know I Jared was able to, to get to the Super Bowl, and I know you didn't want a really elaborate answer, but I'm trying not to just trash the lines right now. I just still <laughs> – Oh, don't don't, don't just, hold back. Don't hold back. No, I, just, I just don't believe in Jared Goff because anybody that you could fit a, a cereal box into their mouth when they smile, I just don't trust. <laughs> but that's just me. I, I don't like him either. You know, everybody talks about the last five weeks where he looked all right, but he didn't look all right. He just – you didn't have to get him off the field immediately before something awful happened, you know. it's Yeah, and everybody had given up by then. It's like me on the golf course. After eight holes in a scramble, I realize we're out of it, so I just start not caring and I play better. Yeah, exactly. All right, I think that's going to do it for our interview with Jake Crane. Jake, thanks a lot for hopping on and tell them where they can watch your show. Yeah, and you can find us. Uh, number one, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, enjoy the show. You can find me and, and my brother and, and David Cohn, you guys' favorite, you know, ex-Michigan quarterback. Uh, we're live 2 to 3 Central every weekday on YouTube, thedailywire.com. We're the sports show for Ben Shapiro. That's the easiest way for me to say it. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We got Philip Rivers coming on this week, Patrick Willis coming on this week, uh, a bunch of big guests. We just dropped our top five quarterbacks in college football so check that out mine's right so if anybody asks but i appreciate it brennan as usual uh everybody and uh i'm always down to come on and and yeah. kyle online ain't getting these views dog when you gotta reach like that i don't come down for the mountain a lot but when you gotta reach like that there's a reason because you don't think you can stay in front of them just remember i said that <laughs> also pass this message along to cone remind him who beat Michigan for two years in a row. That's right. Oh, oh, believe me. We try and remind him of that at least twice a day. Um, and I cannot wait to watch what Ohio State does with them in the horseshoe this year after Let's what go. happened last year. Let's I'm go. just counting down the days, fellas. Counting down the days. I appreciate it, Jake. Thanks a lot again. All right, man. See ya. Y'all guys have fun. See ya. See ya. Yep. All right. That was Jake Crane. Heck of a guest. I Dude, that, was, that, was all awesome. the time. that was so much fun. Yeah, and you know what else? We're uh, we're extending our reach. A real Michigan quarterback is gonna know we don't like them. <laughs> Dude, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Maybe what we'll get David Cohn on. So. I don't know. Uh, all right, so I have I want to address this Arch Manning stuff. 
So Arch Manning, I believe it was last Thursday, committed to Texas. Obviously, the number one recruit in high or in the twenty twenty three class uh, from Louisiana, Isidore Newman, New Orleans. This is so huge for Texas. I'm going to explain explain to you why. This is huge for Sark. But I want to preface this, but I'm not saying that. I'm not saying Texas is back, but they're on the path to being back. There's a difference here. To be back, you have to prove it year after year on the football field, in between the four lines. Obviously, you can't do that unless you have a great recruiting class like Texas is piling on right now. And there's such a thing called the Arch Manning effect. Just in the last few days, or since Arch Manning has committed to Texas, I'm going to read you some names that have committed to the Longhorns. Derek Williams, five-star safety. Jaden Chapman, four-star offensive guard. Jonah Wilson, four-star wide receiver. Linebacker, four-star, Leona LaFell, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, Three-star offensive tackle, Connor Stroh. Three-star offensive tackle, Trevor, Trevor Gooseby. Uh, Billy Watson, who's a three-star defensive defensive uh, defensive end, and another offensive lineman, Andre Coey. These are just some names that committed after Arch Manning committed to Texas. That is huge. Like you think some players don't want to play for Arch Manning? I th- you're terribly mistaken. This is so huge for Texas because it expands beyond just getting Arch Manning. This is okay. Now I'm bringing in more five-star workers, more four-star recruits to help build up that team that Sark is trying to build. And for those of you that think he's on the hot seat right now, I think you are sorely mistaken because he's he needs some time to build this team, and he's doing it, I think. Okay, I have a question. Will Arch yeah. Manning play for Texas when they're in the Big 12? Uh, so he'll be coming in next season. Quinn Ewers, if he pans out to be the guy he's supposed to be, He'll probably play the next two years and head off to the NFL. So I, so Arch Manning, the earliest he'll probably play is probably 2024. So that'd be the right now, right now, the last year the, of them being in the Big 12. And then 2025, they transition to the SEC. Okay, because I think it'll be interesting to see if he gets a chance to play in the Big 12, which I kind of would want to happen because I'd want to see his transition between the Big 12 and the SEC. Like going yeah, against the, yeah. the completely different levels of defense because he'll probably – if his career is going the way I think it will, it'll probably go Big 12, SEC, NFL. So yeah, that's I mean, definitely the path be, he would take, yeah. He'll just be ramping up defenses for the past however many years. Yeah, uh, yeah. we have a comment here. Uh, the offensive line that Arch is walking into is going to be great. If you see the class that they have in this season, had all the weapons coming in, it's crazy. I've been seeing Ewers will and. Here, here we go. I've been seeing that Ewers will end up transferring out once Manning comes in. I'm not buying that yet. I'm not buying because it's Ewers' job to lose if he performs this year. Next year, it's Ewers' job to lose. Like Arch Manning's not going to come in and just just because he's Arch Manning take it right away. That's just my thoughts. I don't think there's a huge quarterback controversy here. Okay, Brendan, I have a question for you. So he has all the hype in the world, probably the most hyped-up quarterback recruit since God knows when. But is there a chance he doesn't live up to the hype? I mean, of course there is. And you can say that about anyone. But Arch Manning, some could say that he's a little overhyped just because the last that's name. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, is could he be overhyped? I personally don't think he is, but, like, some people do. I mean, a Manning's a Manning is not going to be terrible. Could he be overhyped? Yeah, he could just because of the last name. But I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to wait to judge him to see what he does on a college field. Obviously, he's very good in high school. A lot of people have been saying that Alabama's quarterback commit, Eli Holstein, has looked better on tape than Arch Manning. I haven't gotten into it that deep yet, but people are saying that. So, okay, so the Mannings also are calculated. They're not going to send Arch to somewhere where they don't believe in Arch, that where he will succeed, and I think Arch is going to do perfectly fine at Texas, and I think Sark's got a good system for him. Just my thoughts on that. Any any final comments? Uh, I personally really thought he was going to go to Georgia. I uh, was Texas all the way. I was Texas really? all the way. Yeah, I was. I mean, they yeah. do have like a bottomless pit of money there. I mean, Georgia yeah. does too. Don't get me wrong, but Texas is kind of outrageous when it comes to NIL and their boosters and everything. Yeah, I was buying Texas just because of Sark's offense as well. Like he knows what to do, Sark, and that 
and Arch's offense in high school is pretty similar to what Texas runs. So that's so I was kind of getting the vibe of Texas early on. But I mean, when you beat Georgia and Alabama for uh, the number one quarterback in the class, that's saying something. Right. No, I think they they gotta hold on to Sarkeesian. That would like really. I always say my biggest bugaboo is firing coaches too early, and you gotta give them through Arch Manning's career, assuming he doesn't transfer. Through Arch Manning's career, that's a while. I mean, I think they gotta prove it on the field. I don't know. They gotta prove it on the field. If they go out and follow up a five and seven year last year with a six and six year this year, I think he's gonna be on the hot seat. But here's the he thing, though, fired. is if you send Sarkeesian away, are you also sending Arch Manning away with the transfer portal? Look at what happened to Oklahoma. You could, but you but you got to run the risk of, hey, I have so much talent. I don't want to waste it if Sarkeesian can't get it done schematically and, and Texas can't get it done on the field with Sarka on the sideline there. You, get, you can't waste all that talent they have come in via the Arch Manning effect. Okay. All right. I guess that's the side of the argument is – do you think they will – like, do you think the players would leave if the coach is fired? And, I mean, like, of course, yeah. That we see that all the time, yeah. Yeah. All right. I want to get into something I saw yesterday. Danny Connell, a, a famous college football analyst for CBS. Uh, he tweeted this. Why do college football anti-expansionists – not want to see an underdog in the playoffs. Everyone loved watching Ole Miss get hot and win the title. Why would we not want that in college football? So he's basically comparing Ole Miss, who was kind of on the bubble to get into the NCAA baseball tournament, comparing that to why shouldn't we expand the playoff? Here's why. Okay, first of all, you cannot compare college football to any other sport. It's so vastly different, especially college baseball. College baseball there's what 50 games in the regular season. You play five games a week. If you you lose one, you're like, yeah, we'll get them tomorrow. That's fine. We still got a good shot at this. You lose a game in college football, your season could be done. Like if Cincinnati lost a game, they're not they're not making the playoff. If Ohio State, I mean, after that Oregon loss early on for Ohio State, if they lost another game, which they did to Michigan, they weren't in the playoff. That season done or not season done, but national title hopes gone. So you can't really compare different sports because it's different sports with college football because college football is such an emphasis on the regular season. The playoff in college football starts in week one. That's how important that regular season is. If you lose, you might be done. That's how serious it is. So, and I've said this before, this is like, it's like a spectrum. If you expand the playoff, the less the regular season is going to mean. And if you shrink in the playoff or keep it at four, the regular season is going to be in a, going to mean a lot more especially if, it, if you have a path for both the group of five and power five that's perfect and what okay i want to say something i think the every undefeated team should be in the playoff i'm going to add that in there no matter group of five power five because technically if you're all competing for the same national championship trophy if you go undefeated you should be in uh so i'm going to say this fans and i i assume everyone's a college football fan here if you're listening to this podcast Fans, a lot of fans, they fall in love with college football. I guarantee you probably about 90% of fans fall in love with college football during moments that happen in the regular season. Kick six, trouble with the snap. You can go on and on. They don't, I'm not sure many fans are going to be like, oh yeah, I remember when the AP named Nebraska their national champion. That was the greatest moment of my life. I was a fan from then on. I love college football because of that moment. So if you get rid of that importance of the regular season, you're getting rid of what 90 to 95% of fans fell in love with the first place. I just don't. That's my thoughts on it. Tom, I know you kind of disagree with me. So what do you think? Okay. So my reasoning is if you go to eight, Jake just said, he thinks they should go, we should go to eight. How does, how is the regular season that meaningless aside from maybe one or two teams like your Georgia's and Bama's, how is the regular season that meaningless? If you only go to eight teams, because you still are probably only getting in with a max of two losses. Yeah, so I'm going to put it like this. So Ohio State is a perfect example. They lost week two, I believe it was, to Oregon. You know, they're walking on a tightrope rest of the year. They So it's one loss, Ohio State, against one loss, Michigan, in that rivalry week game. That's a playoff elimination game. 
in the last week of the regular season. Playoff elimination game. You lose, you're done. So Michigan won. So not only did they have that kind of hype of beating their rival, but they also knocked them out of the playoff. And Ohio State, you expand that playoff to eight. Ohio State still would have been in that playoff with two losses. And so that game wouldn't have meant as much except for seeding. And say, okay, seeding, whatever. They all get in. I mean, if you're in Ohio State, what I had one of the best odds-wise, best shots to win the college football playoff that year. That's just what I think about Okay. That. All right. But you that's looking at it from a very narrow perspective of like a handful of teams. What about the teams like Utah or Michigan State, for example, that like yeah. could make a crack at getting into the playoff? Like I feel like that makes the regular season almost more meaningful for them because they have a realistic shot at making the playoff and winning the national championship. Okay, you look at a team like Utah, I believe they lost three regular season games this year. Most of them, I think if not all of them, were in the beginning of the regular season. They had three losses last year. I'm in college football. You don't deserve to be in the playoff with three losses. That's just my perspective. And they, you want to make the playoff, you got to stay consistent throughout the whole season. I mean, I get it. You can't play your A game every single week, but you got to stay consistent throughout the whole season. You got to be able to win in multiple ways. So Utah, their fault is at the beginning of the season. They couldn't figure out who's going to be their quarterback. They lost the games. They and Yeah, they got hot at the end. It was fun to watch them keep winning, and that Rose Bowl was entertaining as hell. I mean, they deserve a lot of credit for what they did last year, but it wasn't a playoff team because of the beginning of the season. That's the difference between college football and other sports, like college basketball. All you got to do is get hot. I mean, November through January, I'm going to be honest, it doesn't matter that much for college basketball especially for the top programs because you are you know you're getting in. If you just get hot in February and March and you get hot at the right time, you start winning some games. Okay. All right. I see, I can definitely see why you think they should not expand. But the other part of this I don't want to address is do you not want to see an underdog make a run? Like what if Cincinnati went and ran, won the whole thing this year? They, they We saw an underdog this year. Like you just said, Cincinnati, they made a run. I mean, No, but I mean like – Go to the national championship game. They still would have had to go through the same as Alabama or Georgia. They still would have had to gone through those teams in which they were not as good as talent wise. So let's say there was two Cincinnati's, but only one of them can make the playoff. Like you want both of them axed, or one of them axed? I, mean, I did add in that I want all undefeated teams to make the playoff. That's right. the one provision I want them to make just so every team has access to it, if, like group of five teams. So if there's Even two if undefeated like teams, a, group of five. What was that one team in Texas, ETSU? Hypothetically, they go undefeated. I mean, they're FCS. Okay. But, I mean, if they were FBS, then yes, and they went undefeated, yes. Okay. I don't care if you play, um, as long as you only don't, like you play one FCS is allowed, one cupcake opponent. So, so Okay. Do you think there's ever a scenario where they change the number of playoff teams every year? Hypothetically, there's six undefeated teams, which there probably would never be. But there, there would never be six yeah. undefeated teams. Okay, all right, all right we got a couple uh, comments. Just one, I guess. People who want expand a playoff. How about this? Each championship game is a play-in. You got the Power Five there, and a group of five team gives you six bucks, throwing a buy for the ones and two seats. Tom, what are your thoughts on that? I love this because I, I think it makes the conference championships more meaningful. You know what I mean? Yeah, another thing about conference championships being more meaningful, we're going to see less Clemson versus oh, Virginia or, in past years because the ACC now, 2023, they're getting rid of divisions. So that definitely helps with conference championship games having higher stakes as you might now get two teams who are kind of battling for a playoff spot. Right, like how often – like. Aside from like the Mariota years, the Pac-12 championship has just been like, who cares? Because it's it has no national implications, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there hasn't been a correct me if I'm wrong. There hasn't been a Pac-12 playoff team since Mariota's Oregon Ducks, yeah. right? That's their own fault, though. They yeah. don't have an elite team out there. That's their own fault, and and some of those schools don't invest the money that they probably should. Football, yeah, because so. like you could say you can make an argument for Stanford right before the playoff era. They they were a playoff caliber team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like 
I don't know why. Like UCLA should be good. They're in LA. USC is probably going to be starting to be good. They have no reason not to be in a playoff conversation. Same thing every with year. Oregon. I mean, Oregon's Same been in the Oregon, conversation. Yeah. They were Washington. Yeah, Oregon was top four in the first playoff poll, right? Yeah, they were. They were in the first playoff, and I you also miss Washington made the playoff. I believe. Oh, right, right. So that was the last Pac-12 to make it. All right, let's move on. I'm going to address something real quick. Bill Clark, head coach of UAB, well, formerly head coach of UAB. Now he's retiring due to medical issues. He has to have a spinal fusion surgery done on his back. So I just want to show why Bill Clark, I think, is one of the more underrated head coaches in college football. Someone on Twitter who is an Auburn Blazer compiled uh, these stats. He's listened to the show a couple of times with Bill Clark, six seasons under UA, with UAB. And all other UAB coaches have had 18 seasons there. Clark's record, 49 and 26. The other coaches, 80 and 129. Clark has five bowl selections, two bowl wins, two conference championships, uh, five winning seasons compared to three for the other coaches. Other coaches have not. They appeared in one bowl, zero bowl wins, zero conference championships. And Bill Clark had zero losing seasons at UAB, and that's super impressive considering that they shut down the program for two years in the mid-2010s. Also see uh, most wins in a season. Bill Clark had 11 in 2018, and then the highest they UAB achieved under, not under Bill Clark, was at seven wins. So I just want to say shout-out to Bill Clark. UAB deserves a lot of credit for what they Get did well Bill soon, Bill Clark. Yep. All right. So now I want to get into some NFL quarterback battles. We'll let Tom and Will take this away. So you guys are just going to be predicting who you think is going to start week one for all for these five teams. We have five teams here. First, we're going to start Carolina Panthers. Uh, week one, it's got to be Sam Darnold. It is, it's definitely his job to lose right now. Yeah, I don't see the coaches. I, I would love to see Matt Corral start for Carolina at some point this year, but I think week one, there's no way they have enough confidence in Corral. And another guy, P.J. Walker, I think he's a solid backup, but he probably won't get a chance being behind a, a fairly high draft pick this year. So maybe another team, P.J. Walker, could have a chance at getting some starts, but yeah. not for the Panthers, unfortunately. You know, I really, th- I really think Davis Chica – <laughs> I never I, even heard of Davis. If you Cheek. could give me one statistic on Davis Cheek, whether it's school, age, complexion, anything, any one got, thing about Davis Cheek. I got a stat about Davis Cheek. He was listed okay. fourth on the depth chart that I looked oh, at. Wow. I was putting okay, this together. Wait, I have a question regarding Davis Cheek, but not really. Brendan, does General Booty have a chance to play quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners this year? Man, does he have a chance? Yes, to get a, to get on the field and see a couple snaps. Yes, to start. No, not a chance. Okay, I would on or he would receive oh, stepping dude. on the yeah. field. One he bad game, go. they're going to be chanting up. booty. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know I if mean, he's doing bad or they're just chanting his last name. So no, I mean like <laughs> if their current starter has a bad game, they're going to want. Oh, booty. gotcha. Yeah, pause. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but one more thing on the Panthers is. I haven't heard any whispers of Matt Corral really impressing in camp, but that that's the only thing that would stir up a week one start is if he just starts going ballistic and Sam Darnold looks like Sam Darnold in camp. Right. Uh, we have a, another stat about Davis Cheek. Cheek went to Elon, the Elon Phoenix. Wow. I know that because I just looked him up for a page I'm doing, yeah. Elon Phoenix, FCS, still nice. Division One. Uh, so who who'd you guys go with for the Panthers? Uh, Darnold week one, but yep. I think we both Darnold. like to see Corral. Yeah, the Panthers don't have much to much ahead of them this season, I don't think. So I'd like to see Corral play as much as I can. I know uh, Darnold was doing some talking though. He went on a bus with the boys a little bit ago, and yep. he was saying how he's all this and that. So maybe he'll put his money where his mouth is. I would like one of the uh, one of the viewers to donate us a bus. I think that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty sick. That would yeah, be pretty sick. With, with like our faces on it, like a travel bus. Yeah, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Podcast from it. Yeah, you can travel all, right. all over the country. All right, moving on. Seahawks. 
Uh, Tom, you you take this one. Okay. Um, I know I've seen Baker get tossed around with actually the Panthers and the Seahawks. Do I think Baker would start over all of these guys? Yes. But as of right now, Baker Mayfield is not on their roster. So I'm going to say I think Drew Locke starts week one because you know what you're getting with Geno Smith. Like, you know you're getting a max of, like, five wins. But Drew Locke, there's still potential there. He hasn't played a full NFL season. You haven't ne- – in theory, you haven't seen all that he can do. So I think you got to just go with what can get you the max amount of wins, and that's Drew Locke here for me. Right. I, I agree because I think it's fair to say Seattle is in entering rebuild mode. Not a full-scale rebuild, but, uh, you know, start they're getting that way. Right. And when, when that situation happens, you want potential. You want flashes, stuff like that. You know, Drew Locke, there's still a chance he might completely turn around and be what everybody thought he would be. Well, Geno Smith is just, we were talking about Chase Daniel earlier. Uh, Chase Daniel and Geno Smith, I'd say, are like the same person backup quarterback-wise. Yeah, like you're not going to get a playoff appearance with Geno Smith, but maybe Drew Locke's got something in there, like make going to make some serious plays this year and they can crack. I mean, I don't think the Seahawks are a playoff team no. by any means, but uh, maybe Drew Locke can give them something to build off of. He's still and, young. He's so young. And he's really cool. He is super cool. Would hang out with Drew Locke. <laughs> All, right, All right, yeah, next team. so lock it in, Drew Locke, week one. Lock it in, lock. Lock it in for Locke. Also, yep. the Sultan of Swat locks it in for Locke. Uh, he also says, honestly, I think the starter at quarterback depends on what they do with their wideouts. Still rumoring uh, DK Metcalf being traded away. Apparently, they can't get anyone to bite on Lockett. Dude, Lockett Drew, or, for a fifth or a fourth? Tyler Lockett's so weird to me. Like, yeah. I don't know if he's just a product of Russell Wilson being really good, but. Yeah. Yeah, I can't put my finger on him. Yeah, Lockett's just strange to me. And mm-hmm. then DK, DK's. I don't know. DK is weird too. Like he'll eat like a bag of Skittles and a milkshake, and that's like his training table. I mean, he still has a twelve pack. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't understand either of these guys, but both for different reasons. Lockett is like the guy to be randomly traded to Green Bay at like week five. You know what I mean? Doesn't yeah, that make doesn't that make sense for no reason? I think Lockett would work well with Rodgers because he's a really mild mannered guy. He's not like a look at me receiver or anything. So yeah, yeah. <coughs> All right, next team we're gonna hit on the 49ers. Hmm. I think I think it's gotta be Trey Lance. I think um I I don't know for sure if he's better than Garoppolo right now, but I think they're trying to start a new era. You know what I mean, Tom? Yeah. Um Okay, I think as of a standpoint of week one, they'll probably go with Jimmy G, which I think is lame. I like you have a lot of capital invested in Trey Lance, and Jimmy G could probably get traded elsewhere for something. So mm-hmm. if it were me, it's Trey Lance. But if I were to predict, I think it's Garoppolo. Right, and um, the Niners are a team, I'd say more than any other team in the NFL, to where they completely hide their cards and don't want anybody to know what they're doing. So they could have very well have been planning to start Trey Lance from, you know, as soon as the season ended last year. It's I, I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, I know some, like, the fans go both ways. Like, it's, it's like some are like, oh, Jimmy G sucks, and some are like, they want to roll with them. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Next team, got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I think this is Trubisky's team to lose. But I think he will lose, and I think Pickett is going to start week one. I, I just have that feeling. I don't have a ton of uh, reasoning to back that up um, to dethrone the MVP, but I think Pickett is going to have a week one. 
Okay, so the only thing I think Pickett is probably the most likely rookie quarterback to start week one, but <coughs> um, he's the only rookie QB to not sign his contract yet. So hopefully that's not slowing things down. But I think Pickett should start week one. You're not going to get anywhere with Trubisky, and you might as well get Pickett going with game experience because that's kind of how the Steelers work. Like, they want to have their guy and roll with it because the Steelers are all about continuity. Right. So, I'm thinking Pickett starts week one. Right, and at the end of the day, they've still got their running game to lean on. So, even right. if they ease them in with a lot of dump-offs and a run-heavy offense, that kind of ease them into their style of offense. And with their – they're pretty good receivers. Uh, while we're on the topic, I think Deontay Johnson, you know, he's pretty good, but he has a problem with drops. I see a lot of times uh, receivers that have a problem with drops um, switch quarterbacks, and then suddenly it's a more catchable ball for whatever yeah. reason. So I think that's, I think, um, I think that could be good for the Steelers' offense as a whole as well. Um, did you see the thing about Chase Claypool thinks he's top three or something like that? He's top three. Listen, like I know, be confident in yourself, but I remember. Like, the follow-up question to that is, remember when you burned four seconds and lost the game because you were <laughs> you were celebrating and not giving the ball to the ref, and then you blamed right. your teammates? That attitude alone takes you out of top three. That's uh, Yeah, and he's ridiculous. just so not Steelers. He's, he's arguably top three on his team. I'd say he might even be top two on his team. <laughs> yeah, but the he, entire he's lucky NFL... to be top two on his team. I think Deontay's really good. Like, I know he has his drop problems, but even with that, he's still very good, I think. I could name 32 receivers off the top of my head that are better than him. Yeah, is he – like, what's a team where he would be the number one receiver on? The Texans? The Bears, maybe. No, I think Mooney (laughs) might be better than him. Yeah. The Texans – is Brandon Cook still there? I don't know. But either way, it's not – Yeah, if we have to have this conversation, he's not even – cracking the top he won't even crack single digits yeah there's yeah he's so far from top 10 anyways we all know trace clay pulls it yeah just had to get that off my chest yeah (laughs) all right i believe this is the last team we have here atlanta falcons no tom i imagine you're very conflicted because i know you like to see um I know you like to see rookie quarterbacks start week one, but I also know how you have a special place in your heart for Mariota. All right, so I love Mariota. I loved him in Tennessee. He's a class act, and I'm sure he's working really well with Desmond Ritter. Um, But I think as for, we said, week one starter, I think Mariota starts week one but does not play the whole season because the Falcons are such a dumpster fire. They probably want the veteran going week one to kind of get their feet under them. And I see Ritter shifting in later in the year to kind of get some get some games under his belt. So that's where I'm at. I'd love to see Mario to succeed, though. He is back yeah. with a former offensive coordinator, though, because yep. Arthur Smith yep. is a bunch of topics. Yeah, I think uh, Felipe Franks is is uh, taking him to the Super Bowl this year. But, <laughs> no, I, um, I think uh, Mariota is going to start until they inevitably start losing because – you know, Mariota that roster will, is just so bad. It, it's so bad. They've got a tight end, and they've got Cordero Patterson, who might be a magician again this year for whatever reason. But um, I think Mariota himself will randomly win you a game just because that's he's that athletic and that you know that type of quarterback where he'll he'll pull something out and win you a game every once in a while. And um, so I say I say he starts like. 10 or 12 games and then they just get rare in for uh for back for you know some experience keep them from getting hurt keep them uh you know get them that valuable experience and prepare them to be the starter next year right uh that's exactly what the comment here says a sultan from sultan of swat i always have trouble saying his name but raider is quarterback of the future for the falcons i don't think he was drafted to be the starter this year I agree. That's a great yeah. way to put it. I, will, I mean, we said this before, but Ritter's just a straight-up winner. We are, we all know that. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. He's got the intangibles. 
he does, in fact, have the intangibles. All right, so any other final comments on some of these quarterback battles? See it all play out in fall camp? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that, that's it for what we have on the uh, the topics list today. Any final comments, concerns? Uh, Fun show. Very fun show. Yeah, I like that show. Great. I thought the interview went Very really good well. Yeah, yeah, he's you know, a cool guy, too. Yeah, uh, Arch Manning heading to Texas. That's huge. Danny Cannell. Oh, I, thought... I remember what I was going to say. I said, yeah. you know what kind of balls you have to have to go and say you want to compete to play with a, uh, a five-star quarterback with a mullet? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the most stacked quarterback room uh, considering high school recruiting ever? Oh, yeah. They're both is. perfect. Especially both one, perfect, two, yeah. uh, five stars, right? Yeah, I would. Okay, there's a stat I want to share with you. So there's been three quarterbacks or maybe even players in history to get a perfect 1.0 rating from 24-7 sports. All three of them are Texas quarterbacks. Vince Young, Quinn Ewers, and now Arch Manning. Wow. I, I per, I'm, like, incredibly high on Quinn Ewers. Like, I think he's going to be, like – a beast. He's got. I'm excited. Yeah. You want to see him in Honolulu blue? Maybe if you know, I like that would be cool. But he'd kind of have to speed things along because I'm tired of watching golf and his contract you, is expendable at the end of this if, year. If, you, if you're going for Ewers, you got to stick with golf until 2024. Man, I, I hate to say it, but I know two more know. years. Two Might more as well years. wait for Arch Manning if we're gonna do that, but. <laughs> Maybe Bryce Young will be good. Maybe he'll be – if he – I, I wouldn't have a problem good. with drafting a potential double Heisman winner. I feel like that's that's a fair <laughs> bet, even though there's, like, the curse of medium-height quarterbacks. Medium-height. Yeah, he's, like, he's like an inch taller than me. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, I always make fun of these quarterbacks that are, like, 5'10 for being so short when they're – Three inches taller than me, but whatever. Which is a short for football players. Yeah. Yeah, that is a big amount, but. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Anything else? Uh, oh, I like this question here. If you had to pick a dream guest to interview who has passed away, who would it be? <laughs> passed away. Wow. Abraham wow. Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus. Put some thought in this. Ooh. Does it have to be sports related? I don't think it. No, I mean, like probably. I, I don't think it. Maybe has to a be. little. I mean, it would have to be like in the realm of things we could talk about. Like I don't know what me and Lincoln would talk about. <laughs> Do you think he was a big football guy? Big. Uh, Do you think he's a fan of the spread football. offense? Oh, sports <laughs> related. Sports. Yep, sports related. All right. Oh, jeez. Mm. Man, that's passed away too. Is Stuart Man, Scott? That makes it really hard. All right, maybe when like. Oh, John Madden. That would be amazing. Oh, that would John, be yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. John Madden. That's a good one. That'd be so entertaining. Completely forgot about him. Yeah. He's got, like, John cool Madden. old guy speak, you know? You know what? I think a cool one would be Rest in Peace, but Pat Tillman. Oh, yeah. Cause he's, That'd be a cool one. Uh, he he had that, like, energy when he spoke. Right. That, yeah, that would have been really cool. Great, great guy. American hero. Brendan, you got one college related. I mean, I I said Stuart Scott. That's a cool one. Yeah, I like that. Good. I mean, he was so good at oh during Sports Center. That made me reminds remind me of something. Brendan, you watched the E sixty about the Red Wings Avalanche. You know, I have that recorded. I have not gotten to it yet. Oh my I gosh, it was so good. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, it was so good but anyways, there there's a clip of Stuart Scott in there, and I was just like, man. But. Yeah, man, man, that's what you said. Rest man. in peace, Stu. He was a man back then. Oh, uh, John wait, Madden. wait, one more thing, one more thing. What's Who up? you got? Uh, Adrian Peterson or Le'Veon Bell? Oh, oh wow! Uh, Lions that, yeah. legend versus Titans, the MSU Titans legend. and Lions legend. <laughs> yeah. Versus I'm Ravens no. legend Le'Veon Bell. I don't know. AP has got some. No, I, I can't say that. You know, what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, I think I'm gonna go with, gotta go with the Spartan. I'm going with Le'Veon Bell. 
Le'Veon Bell's younger. Isn't he smaller? AP's like six foot, isn't he? We need a tail of the tape on this. I need yeah. to know the reach, the wingspan. It's They're not actually going to fight. fight. This would be kind of, this could be one of those fun segments oh. next week. Like, I remember when we did the three on three basketball one. Oh yeah, that was a good one. I don't know. Or like the one Maybe. where it was that soccer player versus the smallest hockey player. Oh yeah, that yeah. was good. And then like, who was it? The one wrestler. What's his name? Oh, the big, big show. show. Yeah, the big show. Dude, I, I don't know. Maybe I think they got to put in um Frank Gore and fight one of them. So, because you know, Frank Gore is like actually going to fight. I thought he already did. No, no. I mean, like, because, you know, Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson, yeah, they're going to box, but really they're just going to be there smiling about the 50 mil each they just made and, like, oh, yeah. Well, didn't throw Le'Veon a couple Bell try and fight hits. Jake Paul? That. I would like to see. I unfortunately think Le'Veon Bell would probably get knocked out. Yeah. I mean, Jake Falls fighting uh, Tyson Fury's brother. A real boxer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That'll be interesting. And Jake Paul's not bad. No. Yeah. As much as badly as I want him to lose, he is kind of looking like a real boxer. I don't know much about boxing and UFC and all that stuff, but he's got. (laughs) He's got infinite money and time to train and, like, you know, he's got – and he's – what is he? He's decently athletic. You know, there's yeah, no reason he can't be a good boxer. Yeah. All right, last comment, then we'll get out of here. Uh, the highlight reels for AP just put Bell to shame. Bell was outstanding in that Pittsburgh offense. That's what really put him on the map. AP was AP the whole time. Obviously, that's comparing that their true. football career, not their boxing career. Yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we'll try and get another guest, another high-profile guest for next week. Till then, we'll see you.